0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner. Today's episode was one that was requested. Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. It was requested a lot in my DMs. They wanted uh, people after the episode with Jennifer Donnelly, who was the OBGYN, who did the episode about what happens when you get pregnant. People were asking about IVF and uh, donors and all that kind of stuff. So I said, OK, I'll get someone in to do uh, to do a podcast on IVF. And then I asked for questions. And the doctor who I have in front of me, who is amazing, said, uh, these aren't all IVF questions. It's more like general fertility, but so lack, so lacking in knowledge was I that I did not know the difference. So we are going to do a fertility podcast today. Welcome to the studio, Dr. Vicky O'Dwyer. Thank you for joining me. Vicky, thank you so much for running across from the Rotunda <laughs> to answer all of our questions. Um, I have never had more questions. For anyone. Joanna Fortune, who is the child psychologist, had many questions, but you have actually beaten it. So obviously fertility issues are something that people have a lot of questions about. I think it might be best to start with like what a normal cycle looks like what regular fertility is and then we'll kind of get into people's problems and then uh, and then ask the questions is that cool yep yep okay so
2: um so a normal cycle so day 1 is the day someone gets their period okay and we talk about a 28 day cycle um but a normal range is anything from 21 to 35 days okay um and lots of people use those period
1: tracking apps so that you know if it's regular or not and so like if you have a regular period does that mean it's so if it's normal range 21 to 35. 35, does that mean that like you But it's normal for it to be the same for each for for each person? It might be different, but for that person, it's the same every month. Ideally, yes. OK, great. So if
2: it's regular, it's likely that you're ovulating. Okay. And that's what people one of the things people are worried about with fertility is whether they're ovulating oh, right. or not. So what happens is an egg develops over that cycle. So let's take a twenty-eight day cycle.
1: Okay. So, so the day f- one is the first day of your heavy period. Like It's the, the first day. Yes.
2: Yeah, and the egg will start to develop at the start of the cycle. You ovulate generally around day fourteen, so in the middle.
1: Okay. Um, and. So what's happening during? So during the bleed, you're actually starting the process again. Yeah, because it so kind of feels like naturally, like the day you stop bleeding. It would be when the cycle starts, but it's the first day of bleeding. It's the first day. So that's day one of your cycle.
2: If you ever see a gynecologist, the first question they're going to ask you is, when When was was your your last last period? period. Yeah. And no one ever has the answer. They always take out the phone, have a look. Um, So, yeah. So 28 days, that egg is... So the first day of your period, the lining is shedding because your hormones have dropped. Mm -hmm. And then the hormones restart. So the egg is then developing. Um, and you'll hopefully ovulate on day 14 mm-hmm. and the way that we can check that you've ovulated well one of the ways is to do a blood test on day 21
1: called a progesterone so wh- how is the progesterone so my understanding is that the, uh, the egg develops mm. and then there's a s- so people have been asking me questions about what is it called a, like a test LH. LH tests yeah. yeah
2: so they're the home ovulation kits are they reliable? Um, they're pretty good okay um like a, it's it's a nice alternative doing to doing the blood test. Okay. So if you do the blood test on day 21, you'd expect to get a level above 30. Um, of progesterone, which is? Of progesterone, which is indicative of the fact that you've ovulated. Okay. And um, the home ovulation kits, you know, they're just a different way of, of monitoring, monitoring it. it. And the nice thing with those is you can do them over a couple of days. So it's not one day you can pee on them for five days in a row and see and try
1: and track that and day and track but it, it should be around day 14.
2: Yeah um, and what you want to do is if you're trying to get pregnant is to have sex in and around the day that you ovulate so okay. for the couple of days before a couple of days after and you're hoping that you've ovulated you have open fallopian tubes so that egg can travel down them into the womb and that there's healthy sperm that
1: will come into the womb and fertilise that egg. Yes okay and so if that so the so the, the the thing that the egg so the egg comes out of the f- the ovary yeah and leaves behind this little sack that it was living in and that relieves that le- leaves out hor- the hormone progesterone mm. and if it if the egg doesn't get fertilized. Mm-hmm. What happens, what's happening with the hormones that cause you to bleed then? So the progesterone drops. Okay. So, the, so it would only be sustained by an implanted yeah. egg. Okay. And
2: what the progesterone does is it keeps the lining thick so that that egg or that embryo, once it's fertilised, has something to implant into and hook onto. Okay. So that it then has a blood supply
1: and can develop. Okay. So the progesterone drops if it's like, nah, not this month. And then you have another period. Yeah. So what's the main issue that could, like, what are the things that could be going wrong there?
2: So if you break it down into the three things, so
1: not ovulating, problems with the fallopian tubes or problems with the semen analysis or sperm. And so let's focus on the the female side of that. So Mm. is not ovulating sometimes that you're not producing any eggs, you don't have any eggs or that they're not, they're, they're growing, but they're not being released by that LH hormone. It could be a couple of things. Okay. So
2: um, one of the commonest reasons is a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So that's one that a a lot of people worry about. And that tends to be women who've got a much longer irregular cycle. So they might only get a period two, three times a year and they're not ovulating. Okay. Um, Other reasons can be, you know, if your weight is underweight or overweight excessive exercise. There's lots of things that affect your hormones, um, the ones that are produced by the pituitary gland in the brain that stimulate the ovary to help that egg develop. Okay. So there's lots of conditions that affect that, um, but there are also ways that we can fix it.
1: Okay, great. And usually quite straightforward ways. So common things we'd use would be medications. So first of all, how would you identify that that is the particular problem that a woman is having? And not the fallopian tubes or the sperm. Mm.
2: So when you go and see your GP, your general gynecologist, one of the first things they'll do is take a history from you. So ask you about the pattern of your periods. Okay. And then blood tests. So the blood tests we do are FSH and LH. And they check that the hormones in the brain are working normally and that you're going to produce enough to stimulate that ovary. They also check that you haven't gone through premature menopause. So, anyone under the age of 40 who's not getting periods, that's something that we would check in for. Okay. Check prolactin, that's another hormone that, if that's raised, then you won't be ovulating. Okay. And for some women, thyroid abnormalities, so underactive or overactive thyroid. And what would cause prolactin to be over? Uh, a little, uh, a little tumor in the brain, a totally benign one, very yes. small, but it secretes too much of that prolactin. Okay, and again, you can fix that with medication. Great,
1: so it's great that it's fixable. Yeah. Um, so they test that and they go, oh, okay, so we've got the, the the reason, and it's that you're actually not ovulating. Yeah, that's fixable. That's fixable. Okay, so what would happen then? Provided that you have eggs, is the other thing. So how do you check that? So you can check that. There's a blood test called an AMH. Okay, um, What um, does that stand for?
2: anti-malarian hormone.
1: Like malaria? Oh no. No.
2: M-U-L-L-E-R-I-A-N. So not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Typical me
1: to like add two things together.
2: No, so like when you're born you have millions of eggs. Okay. And what happens is as you age they deplete whether it's because they're ovulated or just because you're getting older and, and you have less. So an AMH is a measure of your ovarian reserve. So how much eggs you have left. Okay. So like if you've got a level let's say above 10 that would be considered a normal level. Um, if it's above 35, it's a little bit high and that can go with PCOS. So what you're looking for is a normal mid-range level that says, yes, you've got some eggs there. And what if, if, what if that is too low? So if it's too low, you still might have that one good egg, but, okay. you know, you'll ovulate and get pregnant. But if it's very low, then it might make you go down an IVF path sooner. Or if you're on an IVF path, it might make you opt for a donor egg. Okay. Rather than using your own,
1: because your success rate will go up with that. And and is there a reason that AMH might be low? Like that that is within your control, or it's just not not really. Uh, there
2: is one medication called DHEA. Um, it's an androgen that's sometimes used by fertility specialists to boost your AMH. But for most people, when your AMH is low, there's not much you can do about it. Right. Okay. So there's a little bit of you know get pregnant when you're young and. I suppose life gets in the way, you know, people think I haven't met the right person or focusing on my career and sure I'll wait till my late 30s into my early 40s and I can still have a baby, but that's not true for everyone. Right, okay. So like the ideal time to have a baby is in your 20s. Yeah. But the average age of a first time mum in Ireland is about 32. Okay. Um, so like if you're under, let's say under the age of 35, it's normal to try for up to a year to get pregnant. And if you haven't gotten pregnant, then you should seek fertility advice. Yes. If you're 35 or more, it's six months. Okay. And if you're 40, your fertility is rapidly declining. And at the age of 42, spontaneous pregnancies
1: are quite rare. Yeah. So if the AMH is okay and Mm -hmm. we've worked out, so we then check, are you ovulating? Yep. We do that by? So you're
2: checking that? Progesterone, Progesterone sorry, yes. So that's on day 21 of a 28-day cycle. It's on day 28 of a 35-day cycle. So okay. the doctor will work out what the best day for you to have that done on. That's a blood test. That's a blood test. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not ovulating, then there are ways to fix that. Okay. So there's the, one of the commonest ways is a drug called Clomiphene or Clomid. Yeah. Um, and that's a medication that you take um, that basically causes you to your ovaries to work better to produce more, more. okay um, there are some side effects with it so twins twins does, does it cause yes, twins it does cause twins so
1: <laughs> does it cause twins <laughs> this is <such> a funny <laughs> way of phrasing it
2: and like some people think, oh, great twins! But actually, as an obstetrician, I think, ooh, twins—you know—it like, can is be tricky. It can be high risk. So I suppose we want to avoid twin pregnancy if we can. <laughs> what you want is one, one healthy baby. Yeah. Um. So, risk of twins with climate is somewhere between five and ten percent. Okay. There's also a small risk of the ovaries hyper-stimulating where they swell and cause pain oh, wow. um, and that can be a problem. So risk of that is a bit lower. It's probably 1% to 3%. Yeah. So if you're on those medications, you can do a thing called follicle tracking, which is where you do an ultrasound to watch the, the follicles, follicles grow. Okay. And what you'd be hoping is for just two follicles. If you get more than that, then you'd advise the person... Stop taking it. Stop taking it. Well, you're only taking it from day two to day six, but you'd say, look, don't try and get pregnant in this cycle. Why? Because they're likely to get twins because if you, or triplets even. What if they're like, uh, no, I'm, I want to risk that? I wouldn't advise them to risk it. Okay. Particularly like if you ended up with triplets, you know, that's a really high risk pregnancy. Okay. Um, and, you know, you can go again with the next cycle with either a different medication or a lower dose. Okay. So another one we sometimes use is a drug called letrozole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's used works the same way as clomid, but often used for women with polycystic ovarian syndrome because they tend to hyperstimulate. Okay, with clomid a little bit more than anybody else, um, and the letrozole seems to work maybe slightly better and safer. Okay, and again, you're taking it in that window of day two to day six of
1: your cycle. And what if there, like, is there ever a case that like follicles are developing, you're tracking it, and then they just don't get released?
2: Yeah, so you can, uh, you can, I suppose, artificially release. affect that process by giving a trigger injection. Okay. Um, and if you give that trigger injection around that day 14 window, you'd expect that the egg release is triggered within 24 to 36 hours. Then you can time yeah, to have sex, sex at that stage. Or if you're going down the route of IUI, which is like a... What does that stand for? So intrauterine insemination. So it's the step before IVF. Oh, is it
1: where this is going to sound really crass, but is it kind of like turkey basting? Do <laughs> you kind of inseminate yourself? No, so you don't actually. Okay. So, what
2: you do is you're given the medications to cause the egg to develop, you're given the trigger injection, and then. Is the trigger injection the LH? Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it causes that LH surge, surge yeah. which. Um, so, it's actually a HCG trigger injection, but it causes that LH surge. Um, to release that egg. And then what you have is if you're in a male-female relationship, the male partner produces the sperm, you'll have some same-sex couples who use a donor um, for donor sperm or some women embarking on the IVF journey um, without a partner who are also using donor sperm. So what they do in the lab is they take the sperm out of the semen sample, put Mm -hmm. it in a culture medium, put it in a little tube and then, like when you have a smear test done, okay, they look at the woman's cervix pass a little tube through and inject and they release that sperm directly into the womb Once the egg has been or no before the egg before So in that window of okay. 24 to 36 hours where you think it's gotcha. released Okay. Um, and that's also used for unexplained infertility so where you've done your check so you've got someone who's ovulating they have normal tubes and their partner has a normal semen analysis but they're not getting pregnant then IUI is often a, a good first step for them
1: so does that happen where it's just unexplained, we just don't know yeah. what it is?
2: Yeah, so 20% is unexplained. Mm. That's
1: so frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate when I go to like a doctor and I'm like, what is the thing? They're like, I remember having a smear test, like cervical check, you know, having my smear test once and being like, I can't remember what I was asking her, but it was like, why is something? She was like, you know what? it's just a very mysterious place. And I was like, please don't tell me that my uterus is mysterious. <laughs> Turns out actually I had hypothalamic amenorrhea. Okay. Um, which is, I was underweight and I lost my period for three and a half years. Okay. Um, so that's what it was. But she just said it was a mysterious place. Uh. Um, okay, so we know that we can, so if it's the ovulation, we can, we can check that yep. by checking the, the, the prolact, the, the, diff, the hormone The profile. hormone profile. Yeah. And then, identify that that's the problem and those are the way that we we, that we would fix it. fix it. Yeah. The other issue would have been the fallopian tube. Yeah. Okay. So how would we check if that's an issue? Why would that be an issue and how do we fix it? So, a
2: couple of reasons it might be an issue. Okay. So, if you've had an infection in the past, so things like chlamydia, gonorrhea, the infection goes into the tubes, causes scarring okay. and causes them to be blocked. Right. Um another Could you have that without knowing?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, oh, right, yeah. Okay.
2: A lot of chlamydia infections are
1: you know, asymptomatic in women. But if you did an STI check, would it come up? Yeah. It doesn't, like, happen, damage you and then disappear? Usually not. It It should show up on on an STI screen. Sorry, I'm just taking a drink of water. Yeah, okay, so it could be that. Anything else? Um,
2: Endometriosis. Yes. So that can damage the tubes. Um, And then other kind of infections within the pelvis or scar tissue from previous surgery. Like, let's say you've had an appendicitis and your appendix ruptured. Right. Then... That can cause some scarring,
1: right? Um, because because of the rupture, because of some surgery, or
2: so when it ruptures, it releases pus into your pelvis. Oh God, yeah. Nice. So having appendicitis, not necessarily, but having appendicitis where the appendix it's ruptures, that can be difficult. Yeah, okay. and um, is there something
1: you can do if there's a tube damage? Not really. So, but you have another tube?
2: Yes, but usually both are damaged.
1: Right. Okay. So they're very close together. In my just, head, like they're like totally <laughs> separate, yeah. like a graphic. Um,
2: so it's it's not impossible to sp- fix, but harder to fix. So I suppose the first thing is to see are they blocked or not. So there's three ways to do that. Okay. So the first one is a thing called a HSG. Okay. So what that is, where like when you have a smear test done, mm-hmm. we inject dye through the cervix. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> it's a, a little bit. It's right a away. little bit
2: crampy and uncomfortable. But yeah. Very quick. Done by a radiologist. They then take an x-ray. Okay. And what you get is this lovely picture, hopefully, of the dye going into the womb and spilling out the tubes. Okay. So that you know that they're open. Brilliant. The other way to do that is a thing called a cozy, mm-hmm. which is same process, but using ultrasound and a fluid that shows up on ultrasound. So you inject it and you watch and you see. Okay. And is there a difference or just different doctors prefer different things? Different, yeah. 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 Different doctors do different ones. Yeah. Um, And the third way is to do a laparoscopy.
1: Well, that seems invasive,
2: is it? Yeah, so a laparoscopy is a surgical procedure. So you might wonder, well, why would we do that rather than the others? So the reason we do it is, let's say you've had a HSG or a hycosy and it doesn't look like the tubes are open. Okay. But you want to confirm it because sometimes the tubes can spasm. Okay. And that's why you don't get a result. So that I think if I had one of them, I would
1: spasm. Because oh, yeah. that sounds like a really <laughs>
2: uncomfortable procedure. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. But most people tolerate a fine. Yeah. Um, and we cover you with antibiotics just to prevent any infection. Um, but the laparoscopy, so that'll be one group. The other group is if someone, if you think they have endometriosis. right? So if they come to you and they say, look, I've got really painful periods. I get pain in between my periods. I get pain when I have sex. They're all symptoms of endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And... Well, you could try the HSG first. That's someone you're more likely to
1: offer a laparoscopy to. Okay. Um, so then you've made your diagnosis. And if the fallopian tubes are, have an issue, what would we do? We're probably looking
2: at going down the IVF route. Okay. Um, there are... Go on. Um, it's difficult to unblock them. So you can have tubal surgery. The success rates aren't great. And there's very few centres that offer that anymore because the success rates with IVF are so high. Okay. So... You're probably better off
1: going right. straight to well, IUI or IVF. Okay, and we'll get to the IVF thing because I know people have lots mm. of questions about it. And then the third thing that could be wrong is the semen, the analysis. semen analysis.
2: So sperm develops over a twelve-week period. Okay, um, and what you what you want to see is that you have enough sperm. They look healthy. They're moving and they're moving forward. Okay, um, so that they can travel up and fertilize that egg that's in the womb um, so I suppose common reasons that you might not get a normal semen analysis so things like there's lifestyle things you can change so reducing your alcohol don't smoke healthy diet normal weight um, certain things like you know people who do lots of cycling
1: heats up oh, wow, the testicles
2: okay. not good for the sperm so maybe you know easing enough on the cycling and doing something else in the gym might help that's fascinating um, and there's other, I suppose, things that can help, like well, the Wellman vitamins are really good. They're available in most pharmacies and they contain selenium, zinc, uh, omega-3, lots of vitamins that can boost sperm sure. quality. Um, but I guess realistically, if the semen analysis is abnormal, you're going down the route of ICSI, which is a specific type of IVF tailored to couples where there's a male factor in the infertility process. Does that mean that you have a donor or it's... Nope. No. So what they do is the embryologist will, um, they'll have the egg and then they pick out the best sperm and inject it directly into the eggs. So that sperm doesn't have to
1: Do travel. anything. Yeah. Just be a lazy old man. <laughs> <laughs> Women just making... Just, no, we'll just make it easier for you and pay you through the nose for it. Okay, so is that... I, I don't want to skip anything before hmm. we move to the questions, but are those... Yeah, I suppose they're the,
2: the main, the main things. Okay. Um,
1: uh, do you want to just tell us actually before, Ben, and then we might be able to skip some of the questions because you might have answered them already, but mm. what is the process then of IVF, which stands for in vitro fertilization? And you've explained IUI to us. Yeah.
2: So I suppose the first thing is, you know, to look at the different clinics that are out there. There's lots of very good ones in Dublin. Um people don't tend to talk about IVF, but if you have a friend who you know who's gone through IVF, you know, chatting to them about their journey, talking to your GP, your gynecologist, that will help you select the right clinic for you. A lot of them will take self-referrals, but if you've had bloods or investigations done elsewhere, really important to bring those to your first consultation because based on those, they'll tailor the treatment to what you need. Yeah. So very simply, the IVF process, the way it works is they... Block all the woman's hormones, then restart them with medication, usually injections. Um, Is that all done the same month? It can take it can take more than a month to block everything. Okay. Um, it depends. There's two different ways to do it. There's a longer protocol and a short protocol, um, and they tailor it to the individual. Okay. Um, and then they're going to give you hormones to cause that egg to develop, a trigger injection and then retrieve them. So the way they retrieve them is giving you sedation, doing an ultrasound through the vagina and collecting them with a needle
1: from... (sighs) Sounds very... Now I know you're under sedation. You're you're under sedation. Psychologically, like, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it it, it is a lot. Physical Um, toll on the woman, like...
2: And the stress of, you know, going through that process. And what I would say is that stress has not been proven to affect fertility rates or fertility rates from IVF. Uh, And that's really important, I think, for couples to know... Um, so they're going to collect uh, the eggs um, and they're going to get the partner to do a semen uh, sample and they extract the sperm. The embryologist puts them together in a lab. Okay. You watch them develop and what you're hoping that you get a good quality embryo that
1: develops to day five. So sorry, it's so you're doing the kind of implantation process? Or no, they're, the embryo, is when it's like in your fallopian tube, isn't it? So, I'm just remembering my Leaving Cert so Biology the, diagrams. <laughs>
2: so the egg comes down into the womb, the okay. sperm meets it, and the combination of
1: the two of them forms the embryo. And is it only an embryo? What's it called then when it actually implants into the lining? So it develops over a couple of days. So what you want to get
2: it to is a, what's called a blastocyst. Okay, And that's day five, where the embryo is dividing and the cells are changing. And at that stage that's when the transfer
1: back goes. Okay. And then you're hoping that it implants. Okay. So it's like when you get a puppy and the person toilet trains it and then hands it to you. It's like, <laughs> we've done the work and now like, you're just going to have to live yeah. with it. Yeah.
2: Okay, cool. Um, and I suppose what you're hoping is you'd get a good number of eggs collected and um, like if you got 10 eggs, that would be great. Um, and what you're hoping to get is a, a good number of healthy embryos and they'll se- they'll select the highest quality ones on day five And
1: does that always work? No Where does so, it go wrong?
2: So your success rate is age dependent Okay So if you're a woman in your 30s your success rate with IVF unfortunately well luckily for the men their age is not as important Okay um, So for a woman in her 30s success rates of IVF are probably in the 60-65% range so really high If you get into your 40s that drops down to 30-35% Okay um, and IVF is more successful than IUI, so IUI success rates are about twenty percent. Um, but cost can come into it as well. So
1: how much is an IVF treatment? Typical IVF treatment is five thousand euro for one implantation for, for one go. And um, sorry, if does it always work? I know you said it does. It's not always successful, but is the petri dish the part always successful? And it's the implantation that goes wrong, or could they say like, look, the the two lads didn't get on? Yeah, yeah. Well, you might get no eggs. Okay. You might get no healthy embryos. And have you still wasted your five thousand euro then? Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um,
2: IUI is about eleven hundred. Okay. Um, And ICSI, which is the one
1: where they inject the sperm directly in, is about five thousand five hundred. They inject the sperm directly in having stimulated your follicle. Do they do so? They directly in the petri dish, basically. So it's a type of IVF. Okay. So it's just the
2: lab bit is
1: different. Okay, okay. But that's a lot of money, isn't it? For something to not work. Yeah. And then if you add
2: in pre-implantation genetics, you're probably talking about another €3,000. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. Well, it's really good that stress doesn't affect it because that's a lot of eggs to be putting in one basket or Petri (laughs) dish. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... And and then, so say you do get an egg and you do get a sperm and they do meet in the petri dish mm-hmm. and turn into a blastocyst. Yeah. And then it's implanted. Yep. If it gets to that point, is it higher? Like, is there a higher chance of it sticking or is it still very precarious whether it grows in the it's womb? It's still that 65% chance. Okay. But actually, if you think about it, if you try to have
2: sex and try to get pregnant each month, you know, your your success
1: rate is lower than that, actually. So... And why is that? Like, if you're having sex at the time of the, those in that 14 day period mm. say you're doing those tests and it says you have an egg or whatever they say yeah. why would it not work then? Sometimes
2: they just don't meet to form an embryo sometimes they don't implant sometimes it ends in a miscarriage uh, so you right okay miscarriage rate will be about
1: 20% it Just in, I know that a chemical pregnancy is a thing is that mm. included in the 20% that yeah. like you wouldn't even know that you had been pregnant yeah most people know though right okay yeah Um. okay should I move on to the questions or do you need? is there more about the IVF I need to know?
2: Will we move on to the Let's questions and we can come back if it. there's um, anything that crops up along the way?
1: Yes. Hi guys, I want to tell you about another podcast that I really recommend you to listen to. Right now we've all had enough of the bad news and the gloom and the impending sense of doom and this podcast is called The Happy Broadcast and it is Good news stories from all around the world. They also have an Instagram account, but this podcast is going to be an audio sensation for your ears to uplift your spirit. And yeah, just check it out. And if you don't get uplifted by it, you can send me a bill.
0: Tired of tuning into negative news? Well, get your week off to the right start with the happy broadcast. Let's help you focus on the positive things happening in our world. Each episode will feature positive news, some mental health tips, and we'll hear from our Happy Broadcast community about what makes them happy. The podcast is hosted by me, Amy O'Dwyer, in collaboration with Mauro Gatti and his popular social channel, The Happy Broadcast. Episodes are out every Monday, and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's help spread some positivity. So most people have
1: asked to be anonymous, so I'm just going to keep sure. them anonymous.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, could you please ask Vicky about donor eggs in Ireland, if this is fertility treatment done in Ireland, or do people have to go abroad for it?
2: So the I suppose the law around this is that you can use a known donor egg. So let's say your sister was to offer you one of her eggs. Okay. Or a friend, that's allowed. If you want to use an anonymous donor egg, then you do have to travel to Europe. So, I think it's Spain, uh, and there's some countries in Eastern Europe.
1: That, um, and do you do you go and get the egg and bring it back physically, like, in it, or how do mm. they do this? Do you have to do the treatment then over there? Yes, yeah, so you do your
2: cycle there. Okay. Um, and what they do is, like, if you're picking a donor, they match it to your characteristics. So they, you can say, look, I've brown hair. I want I'll brown pick heart. a donor with.
1: Brown hair. Okay. Um. So often the children will look pretty much exactly because like you you're probably yeah. if you're using a donor egg you're using your partner's sperm. So presumably, yes. or yes, okay. yeah,
2: yeah. So some people use both donor egg and donor sperm, but yes, you can use donor egg
1: and his sperm. Uh, next question: I'm about to start treatment for embryo transfer. Is that IVF? What yep. we talked about? Yeah. Um. Hopefully for a third child. I've been working on my fitness, going to small group training through Zoom, weights, cardio. I don't want to lose the benefits especially the endorphins for my mental health is it okay to keep this up are there any times I should be careful for example during the two week wait I was very much advised to stay still when trying for my first child and any information on acupuncture
2: Um, so the first one around exercise yes you can exercise Um, I suppose shortly after you have the egg retrieval like they're putting a needle through the vagina into your ovaries you're probably better to take it easy for a couple of days after that yeah. just for discomfort and again after the transfer couple of days up to a week just taking it easy like mm-hmm. going for a walk is fine but I wouldn't be doing CrossFit yeah. um, and then acupuncture I suppose there's less objective evidence about acupuncture but yeah. a lot of anecdotal I think it, it evidence it does yeah.
1: like definitely helps Okay. Um, I'm 35, I have two children I conceived relatively quickly within two to four months of trying in our early 20s. I'd love a third but for various reasons I would like to have a bigger age gap so I would be like 37 conceiving. Is there anything I should look out for in bloods or investigations to check my fertility and if so, where would I access these? We've already said that, haven't we? The AMH, the prolactin and your doctor will know.
2: Yeah, and like, I mean, if you've had two spontaneous pregnancies before and you have a regular period, you probably don't even need the tests but if you wanted to test a hormone profile and maybe an AMH.
1: Um, I'm a 28 year old girl with no children. In the next two to five years I plan on having children but I have a real life fear that when the time comes I won't be able to get pregnant. I'm tr- currently taking the combined contraceptive pill and I know there's evidence that it doesn't affect fertility. Is there anything I could or should be doing to improve my chances of conceiving when the time comes? Okay. folic so acid.
2: Folic acid, very important. Yep, take your folic acid. Uh, everybody thinks they're going to be infertile. If you talk to any obstetrician, they think they'll be infertile. But, you know, the pill doesn't affect your fertility. So it does block ovulation. Does that and mean that you have
1: more eggs then when it comes time to ovulate? Because they haven't been no. happening, no? No. So what sometimes happens though, is someone comes off the pill...
2: And then they're not getting periods and it's that the pill has masked the fact that they don't have a regular cycle and that they maybe were never ovulating or sporadically. Um, So she's fine to stay
1: on the pill. Um, Yeah, because I was thinking I wasn't on the pill. I haven't been on it. But when Mm. I had the hypothalamic amenorrhea, my period was gone for three and a half years. And if I had been on the pill, I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, exactly. So I would recommend to that girl, based on my experience, to Mm. maintain a healthy body weight. Yeah.
2: Um. And I suppose there's other contraceptive options. Like if you went with a coil that doesn't block ovulation, you can take out a coil and get pregnant the next month. Right, okay. So that would be another option. Um, but as you said, the folic acid is really important. So the 0.4 milligram over-the-counter one um, and the higher dose one, the 5 milligrams, for people who have extra risk factors. So if their BMI is over 30 or um, they have a history of... I suppose risk factors for spina bifida or anencephaly okay. um, and their doctor would advise them and prescribe that a, it's a prescription the higher dose one okay. but otherwise the normal one for at least
1: three months prior to pregnancy and for the first three months so or just keep taking it like there's no harm in yeah. taking it um, I'm a 32 year old single woman considering sperm donor as an option for fertility I could find my male partner in years to come but I'm afraid it'll be too late um, and I'm useless at dating uh, just want to know what my options are in Ireland regarding this so, yes, you can have donor sperm in Ireland. Um, how much is that? Do you know? Probably I don't donor. know, actually.
2: Yeah. Um, I guess it'll be part of an IUI cycle, so it's probably in around the 1100 right, But I okay. don't know the specific cost of actually the donor sperm. So they probably, g-
1: if you get IUI, do they give you the sperm or do you have to find the sperm yourself separately? No, they they can do that for you as part of the process. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she does have options there. She does have options. Um, three failed ICSI. Oh, That's is that ICSI? ICSI? Okay. Yeah. Three failed ICSI, low motility and never had embryos to freeze. Approaching 40 and wondering, is there any point trying again? Clinic suggested donor sperm, but it's not something we want to do after discussing it with the clinic counsellor.
2: Yeah. It's hard to comment on, I suppose, individual cases, but motility is basically the sperm aren't, the, the sperm aren't swimming. So they're injecting them in. That's why they're yeah. having ICSI. Um, I can see why they're suggesting donor sperm because it'll increase the sec- success rate. And if she's 40, you know, time is important for her as well. Yeah. But, you know, that's a decision that they have to make as a couple. You know. So
1: three failed ICSI, that's like what, we're nearly 16 grand or something now? Yeah. yeah. That's very difficult.
2: It is very difficult. And a lot of the fertility clinics have psychologists that will support people on that journey. And, and that's important too. Um, but I guess they're left with that decision of going with the donor sperm, Sorry. which will give them a higher success rate, or trying again. But having had three failed ones, you know, it's, it's difficult to know so whether another one
1: would be any more would successful. be any more successful. Yeah, I'd love to ask Vicky a bit about natural fertility and conceiving before the need for treatment, if possible. When do you need to start considering treatments? what can you do to improve your chances before you have to go down that route? I'm at that stage in life where we are trying and I feel like it was never a known thing. It's actually quite difficult to conceive naturally. Well, we've talked about that.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, as I said, if you're in your 20s, early 30s, there's a 75% chance that you'll get pregnant within a year of trying. Okay. So, you know, the usual things, healthy lifestyle, low alcohol, one cup of coffee a day, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> no more. Um, healthy weight and... Yeah, decaf absolutely
1: fine too. Um, Anonymous. I have embryos frozen in a fertility clinic. Can the embryologist determine the sex of the embryos? So that's not allowed in Ireland. Okay. You're not allowed to choose the gender. Oh, right. What is the likelihood of the embryo surviving being frozen? I have three. Uh, It's probably 92, 93%. Oh, sorry. So does that mean they've already done the bit where they...
2: Yes, yeah, so actually I didn't say that. So you can freeze eggs or embryos. So like let's say if you had someone who unfortunately has a cancer. Okay. They're going to undergo chemotherapy, which is going to affect how their ovaries function. They can have eggs frozen. Uh, frozen. So they go through the stimulating, collecting and they freeze the eggs.
1: But you can also, if you have a partner at that point, do the bit where the sperm and the egg meet and then freeze that. Yes. Which, has a, which is better?
2: So it used to be that the success rate of frozen embryos was significantly better than frozen eggs. But actually, the technology has come on so much that they're fairly equal.
1: Okay. Um, Are you more fertile after a miscarriage?
2: I wouldn't say more fertile, but what we normally recommend is when someone has a miscarriage that they wait for their next period. And part of that is so we can date the pregnancy. Okay. And then they can try again whenever they feel ready. Like there used to be... I mean, years ago, they used to say, "Well, you have to wait
1: a certain amount of time." You don't. You're probably better off just to go for it. Go for it. Like if you feel whenever like you're ready for it, exactly. For it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm after receiving my first dose of AstraZeneca. She also asked this to Luke O'Neill. So, mm. um, and he gave his answer. I'm currently trying to get pregnant. If I fall pregnant before I see, receive the second vaccine, will this affect my baby?
2: No, so there was when the vaccines came out a lot of young people say to me oh does the vaccine cause infertility none of the COVID vaccines have been proven to cause infertility um, you can't have a vaccine until 14 weeks in pregnancy so if you get one and you get pregnant you should wait till 14 weeks okay. to have your second dose okay. um,
1: but if you're offered a vaccine take it <laughs> take it take it quickly um, any advice for someone who has undergone chemo but didn't have time for the egg retrieval beforehand because the cancer was too aggressive mm-hmm. my consultant advised egg retrieval will be very difficult after the chemo that I had but I'm just turning 30 and my partner and I aren't ready to start having kids I'd like to freeze the eggs but I don't know where to start or if we would have any success
2: um, yeah so again it's going to come down to does she have regular periods and what is her AMH okay Um and if she's regular periods and a normal AMH, then she could get pregnant without any extreme. There are some people that go through chemotherapy that affects the ovaries that still go on to have a spontaneous pregnancy. But if in doubt, it's worth having the
1: tests and seeking fertility advice early. Okay. We still have about seven questions, left, <laughs> okay. And we're running out of time. Um, it's like rapid fire round. <laughs> I was wondering if you could ask quickly about the fertility options for same-step couples in Ireland.
2: Yeah. So, as I said, IUI donor sperm um, and lots of same-sex couples who are going down that route. Um, if it's same-sex male couples, then that's more complicated because they have to find uh, a donor to give the eggs and a surrogate and that may or may not be the same woman. Oh, wow. Okay, right. Um, so surrogacy, you know, a they're lot basically of
1: offering their 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 vessel, like I'll carry it, but they might not offer their egg.
2: Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I know people who've gone to the US and gone down that route.
1: Um, for the surrogate? For the surrogate. And the egg? And the egg. Okay. Yeah. We are six years trying to conceive. One failed ICSI, two cancelled ICSI. Age 37, but egg quality seems to be an issue. Would, an, would also any information for someone with diminished ovarian reserve? So probably donor egg. Um, okay. So that's going to increase your success
2: rate um, hugely if you've got... Um, a low amount of
1: eggs or if you've had failed cycle they probably suggest a donor egg. And like do you just go to your sister or your mate and say gives an egg like. (laughs) Um,
2: Most people that I see who are pregnant who have donor egg have travelled and it's an anonymous donor
1: egg. Okay. Um. It's because it gets a bit complicated doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Vicky I'm nearly 30 and I'm extremely overweight. I would like to have a baby in the next year or so. Is my weight going to affect my ability to get pregnant? I am worried it will. Possibly.
2: So you want to try and get your BMI down below 25. Um, If you're overweight and you're getting a regular period, it's probably less likely to have an impact. But yeah, it can affect fertility.
1: Does it make you high risk in pregnancy then?
2: Yes. Okay. So high risk for high blood pressure, diabetes, cesarean section, other interventions. Um, So now is the time to, you know, take up a sport and, you know, watch the diet and try and get the weight down.
1: Yeah. Which is no easy, you know, it's easy to it's kind not of easy. say that like, but yeah, if you're extremely overweight, it would yeah. be helpful if you could. But it's also not, like if, if you're having regular periods, it might not yeah. be affecting it hugely.
2: And like I've had people who are overweight who've come to me for fertility issues and, and it might take them a year or two to get the weight down enough. Yeah. Um, but I guess small steps, joining something like Weight Watchers is really helpful um, and just slowly kind of chipping away at it. Okay.
1: We had three miscarriages last year. I'm so sorry. A failed PGT normal embryo transfer after ICSI in December. We on- I'm reading things I don't understand. We only got one PGT normal embryo from the last cycle and I'm currently on stimulation meds for the other PGT ICSI cycle. What kind of questions should I be asking if this one fail- fails too? I feel overwhelmed. Um, we're already down €20,000 in our fees to our clinic. When should you look for second opinions? Yeah, okay. What's that's, PGT?
2: So that's pre-implantation genetics. So okay. that's where they look at the embryos to see are they normal or is there a chromosome problem okay. that's going to cause a miscarriage. Right. Um, so for there's lots of treatments for recurrent miscarriage, um, but it sounds like this was the most appropriate one for this couple. Um, if it hasn't worked, then they may be offered, there's a thing called ERA, where they sample the lining of the womb to see is there something inflammatory that's blocking the pregnancy and planting and continuing Right, and they can give medication to counteract that. From what she said I think you know she's on the right track and they haven't done anything that they shouldn't have done but ERA is something that she should ask she about, should ask about. Okay. and they may already be thinking that or tell her that.
1: Should women in general free- consider freezing their eggs when they reach their 30s? Oh that's a really hard one
2: um I think just go out there and meet a man get on to Tinder or whatever the young people do now we did
1: a dating episode a while back um, and it (laughs) Tinder seems to be a cesspit
0: like the only Um, thing
2: I would say is that egg quality declines with age so it it may buy you more time but it's really expensive and then when you do meet the right man then you have to go down the IUI or IVF route because you want to use your younger eggs so
1: yeah it's a difficult one that's totally a personal choice what would rule you out for TSI IUI meaning that you have to go for IVS and ICSI? So the poor sperm
2: quality. Um, if you're slightly older, your success rate is much higher with IVF, but it's more expensive. Okay. So really IUI is, I would say for unexplained infertility or same-sex couples are using donor sperm. Otherwise, oh look, if you if you can afford it, you're
1: probably better off going for IVF. Is there a test for women that basically says not fertile? And is there something similar for men? I'm on a three-year waiting list to be investigated by my local health service. I don't want children, but I just want to be told that I can't. Uh, I don't know if there's a typo there. I would rather know either way, but I don't Mm -hmm. want to take a spot on the NHS waiting list. I'm 35, married 10 years, dating 16. We both think deep down if it were to happen, surely it would have happened by now.
2: Yeah, that's a really long waiting time. Yeah, Um, like... I suppose in the Irish system, you see your GP and you get referred to a gynecologist. And actually, in the Rotunda, we're expanding our fertility service, so we opened this lovely new building uh, last week. So you can get to see a fertility specialist within three months. Oh wow. Um, I guess back to the same thing: the hormone profile and the AMH. Um, but if her if she really doesn't want to have a baby, then. I don't know. See, I don't really understand the question, but
1: yeah. So there are ways to find out that you are or aren't. Yeah,
2: and I just wonder, you know, even within the UK system, could her general practitioner do some of those tests for
1: her? Okay, um, so this is, I'm 36 going on 37. I really want to have kids, but I'm single. Could you ask this, Vicky, about IUI? There's info available. I've read up lots, but I'd love to hear what she has to say about the success rate, the process, the different options, and let's be honest, the cost. I wouldn't be able to afford IVF, that's for sure. But honestly, I think I'd be happy if I tried IUI a couple of times and it didn't work. Well, at least I tried. I could live with that. So we've hmm. kind of answered that.
2: Yeah, so 20% success rate, uh, €1,100 approximately, and she could use donor sperm if she's decided to go on that journey on her I own know. without...
1: Okay, uh, a partner. Final question. Yeah. If someone in Ireland has a known genetic condition, example, uh, B or C A one or B or C 2 alteration, could you ask Vicky if she is able to advise on whether it's possible to get pre-implantation genetic diagnosis to avoid passing this on to your children and at what cost is it a long process? By the same token, I'd be keen in knowing about prenatal diagnoses, but that can raise eyebrows and it's a very touchy subject.
2: Yeah, so PGG... Um checks for generally chromosome problems. Um, so if they know the gene, uh, yes, they can check for it. I'm not 100% sure about BRCA specifically, so that's a breast cancer gene. Okay, um, But a lot of the ones, if you know the gene, it, it may be possible to check for it. Um, so just check with the individual clinic uh, to see if that's a specific one that they can do.
1: Okay, great. And what is she saying about prenatal diagnosis? Is that like checking if the baby has something wrong and then... Yeah. So what checking for
2: chromosome problems where they've got an extra bit of material. So like one that's compatible with life would be Down syndrome. Okay. But there are others that, that are
1: not are not. Um, okay. And, and at what point can you check for them?
2: So as part of the embryo stage okay. before when it's still in the petri dish, the embryologist can check to see are there a normal number of chromosomes. Is that in IUI or IVF? In IVF. Okay
1: thank you so that was was like me putting you in who wants to be a millionaire (laughs) um, or the chase or something thank you so much you're very welcome it's a bit shocking that like we don't learn this in school particularly Mm -hmm. the first part of the podcast where we talked about like what a cycle actually is like that's bananas Um, thank you so much I know that I will definitely have more questions from people who have listened to this may have to get you back in again at some point
2: well look I'm happy if you want to send me on emails and questions Uh, I'm happy to answer them. No problem. Great.
1: Thank you so much, Vicky. You're welcome. Thanks a little. That was this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I have a surprise for you. For those of you who are Headstuff podcast members who subscribe to my podcast, we have a new BOMA thing going on for the bonus material. Every month I'm going to do a Zoom hangout with the people who subscribe to the podcast. We've already done one and it was class. I got to hang out, I think maybe 12 or 15 people joined in, they introduced themselves, we had a chat, it turned out basically everyone knows everyone in Bally Bunyan, and uh, it was just so lovely so if you're a Headstuff member, you will get an email inviting you to the Hangout and then just come and we will chat and you can ask me questions or tell me stories and it's just so brilliant. Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. If you want to also sign up, you can go to headstuffpodcast.com. Our production today was thanks to Alan Bennett as ever. Our music is by Only Ruin and our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. I'm really looking forward to seeing you next week.